Got a question for you as we start. Simple question, really. Do you want to be blessed by God? All right, if you're out there and you would say, yes, I want to be blessed by God, I don't care how silly it seems right now, raise that right hand and say, I want to be blessed by God. If you want to be blessed by God, David tells us how it can be, be so. Mercy brings God's blessing. David says that we can experience that, that we can expect blessing from God if we care for those who are weak and poor and helpless. Blessed, he says in verse 1, blessed is he who has regard for the weak, the Lord delivers him in times of trouble. And I want you to stop right now and think of all the people you know, maybe those people who are sitting in that living room with you right now. I want you to think of those around you this morning who are hurting today. They are struggling today. They are feeling overwhelmed today. Blessed are you if you express concern for them. Blessed are you if you pray for them. Blessed are you if you give to them out of your own resources. Blessed are you if you do what you can to help meet the need in their life. If you want to be blessed by God, then show mercy to the poor. Show mercy to the broken. Show mercy to the helpless. Show mercy to the weak. Why? Why? Because someday, you're going to be the one who was helpless and weak and broken and needy struggling and overwhelmed. Someday, you're going to be the one who needs mercy. Verse 1 again, Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in, his, in times of trouble. You see, if you make a practice of helping others in their hour of need, then God says He will be there for you in your hour of need. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 5-7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy brings the blessing of God to our lives. When we get into verses 2 and 3 of Psalm 41, we see a thumbnail sketch of David's theology regarding the giving and the receiving of mercy. And there are six promises he lists for us there. We're not going to get into detail. I just want to point them out to you so that maybe you can think on, about them this afternoon, meditate on them for yourself. But there are six promises that David says God will give to those of us who show mercy to the needy and the helpless. We'll be delivered. We'll be protected. We'll be blessed. We'll not be abandoned. We'll be sustained. And we'll be restored. Those who show mercy to others can expect God to be there for them when they need mercy too. Now David to this point has been talking in a third person frame, you know, in a third person way. But now David begins to personalize his sermon. He begins to personalize the reasons for why he is talking about mercy. He shifts to the first person in verse number 4. You see, David finds himself in a situation where he himself feels helpless, where he himself is in trouble, where he himself is weak and on a sickbed. He says in verse 4, I said, O Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. David finds himself in trouble because of his own sin, because of his own failure. Now, we don't know what the particular sin was. We don't know what the trouble was that he found himself in. But it really doesn't matter 
Because when you read the story of David, you, you see that he over and over and over again, at one time or another, he finds himself in trouble just like we do. We often find ourselves in a, in, in, in a, in a boatload of trouble because of our own sin and selfishness. We've been where David it was. But I want you to notice here that David doesn't ask for justice in his case. David doesn't ask the Lord to give me what I deserve. You know, it's always funny to me that none of us seems to want justice for ourselves. We want justice for those who have hurt us. We never want to receive what we deserve ourselves, but we want to see the other guy get what he deserves. No, in this case, we see that what David wants is he wants mercy. He wants what he doesn't deserve. More than mercy, I would say, David wants grace. He wants to get what he doesn't deserve. Heal me, he says. Heal me. Make me whole again. This is the cry of David's heart. And I want you to notice here that David doesn't appeal to the Lord for grace based on his good deeds or based on his track record of helping people in need. David could have tried that approach. He could have told God, I deserve this because of how good I've been in the past. But he doesn't do that. His theology, at least on the surface, and his track record support him asking on that basis. Because for all of his faults, David was known as a merciful man. For instance, David adopted his friend Jonathan's crippled son, Mephibosheth, and treated him as his own. And David often showed mercy to those who mistreated him including Saul and members of Saul's family. David built a reputation for himself by helping those who were on the fringes of society, the outcast, the forgotten, the poor, the weak. But David doesn't appeal to the Lord for grace based on his good deeds or his track record. And on the other hand, neither does David hesitate to ask the Lord for grace because of his sin and failure. As a matter of fact, David admits his sin. I've sinned against you. David admits that he ought to face justice, that he deserved what he was getting. He could have lived under the condemnation and the loathing and the scorn heaped upon him by his enemies in verses 5-9. through nine, And a lot of people do. After all, it's easy to buy into the lie that we've gone too far to be worthy of God's grace. And we often feel that way. But David doesn't hesitate to ask the Lord for grace in spite of his sin and failure. You see, David realizes, please hear me when I say this, David realizes that grace from God doesn't rise or fall with personal performance. No one is worthy of grace. Yet no one is unworthy of grace. Grace is simply grace. Let me say that again because I want to drive that down deep into your spirit this morning. Listen, some of you think you've gone too far to, to receive God's grace. You haven't. No one is unworthy of God's grace. But there are people sitting there, maybe in the same room with you, that think that you don't need God's grace because you've been good enough. And I would tell you, everyone needs grace. No one's worthy of it. You need it. Grace isn't deserved. Grace isn't justified. Grace can't be worked for. Grace can't be earned. 
grace is, grace is simply offered and grace is simply accepted. Grace has nothing to do with performance, but it has everything to do with the nature and the character of God. God embodies grace. Grace is a gift that God offers to us, and to benefit from His grace, that means we must simply accept it and receive it to enjoy it. In verse 11, David makes this amazing statement. <laughs> it's an amazing statement. I know, God, you are pleased with me. I know you are pleased with me. Yet earlier he had admitted his sin. Earlier he admitted that he was facing the consequences of his sin. He's in spiritual and physical pain because of his sin. His enemies surround him and they are gloating over his predicament and they can't wait for David to kick the bucket. But he looks at God and he says, I know how I'm feeling and how broken I am. And I know what my enemies think about me. But God, at least I know you are pleased with me. Where does a statement like that come from? That statement comes from a heart of a man who knows God is a God of grace. A God who gives us what we don't deserve. Too often, in life's struggles and troubles, God causes us to doubt His existence. Too often in life's struggles and troubles, we doubt His love for us. We wonder what did we do to make God mad at us and turn His back on us. Listen to me. Hear the message in Psalm 41. God doesn't work that way. God is all about grace. He's all about giving us what we don't deserve. He loves us, and His grace is sufficient for us, and it's offered to us as a gift. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's ours for the asking and for the receiving. I want to bring it to a close, and this has been a short message, and I apologize if, that, if you seem shortchanged today. But there's no more powerful word that I could give you than this word today. That God's grace is offered to you. No matter what you've done. No matter where you've been. No one is worthy of grace. Yet no one is unworthy of grace. Grace is simply grace. And as we come to a close you might be wondering what this psalm is doing in a sermon series titled The Songbook of Jesus. Where was Psalm 41 quoted? Where was Psalm 41 referenced in the Gospels? How did Jesus use Psalm 41? John 13 tells us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, as He ate the Last Supper with His disciples, as He faced the agony of the cross, Jesus quotes verse 9. And he says, Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. You see, in that moment of great pain, of great betrayal, Jesus was reaching out to Judas, his betrayer, 
gently giving Judas an opportunity to repent. In that moment of great trial and suffering, Jesus was offering Judas grace and forgiveness. Now Judas rejected Christ's offer of grace, and we know how the story of Judas ends. And of course, Judas wasn't the only person to betray Jesus that night. And today, there are still many of Christ's followers who regularly let Jesus down, including me. Yet Christ stands ready to forgive us. Christ stands ready to offer us grace, to give us what we don't deserve. Two applications I want to point out to you this morning. Two life applications that I think are so important to the moment that we live in. The first application is this. When you stumble in your walk with the Lord, when you face the painful consequences of your own sin and failure, when you let Jesus down, don't allow your guilt or the fear of condemnation keep you from turning back to God. God is a God of grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. God's a God of grace. Trust Him to give you what you don't deserve. The second application for our lives today is this, and it's most important, I believe. As the people of God, as His sons and as His daughters, we should be all about grace too. We should be a people of grace. We should be a people who give other people what they don't deserve, whether they earn it or not. We should love others as Christ has loved us. We should forgive others as He has forgiven us. Our lives should be all about grace. You see, God intends to bless those who offer mercy and grace to others. Refer back again, if you will, to Psalm 41.1. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. Or Matthew 5.7, where Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. God intends to bless those who show mercy and grace to the needy, to the hurting, to the suffering, to the helpless. Here's why. Because when we offer grace to others, when we offer grace to others, that's when we're most like Jesus. And when we're most like Jesus, it pleases the heart of God and it brings Him glory. I hope you hear my heart this morning. We live in difficult times. And the stress and the strain of these times may have caused you to let Jesus down. You may have stumbled and you may have fallen under the pressure of life's circumstances and situations. And the heart of Psalm 41 and the heart of God call out to you this morning, stop running. Stop digging a deeper hole. Turn to God and find grace to help you in this moment, to meet the need in your life, to give you what you don't deserve. Peace with God. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Restoration 
in the eyes of God. Grace. Grace. Wonderful grace. And for those of you who find yourself nearing a breaking point under the strain and stress of the difficulties that we're in, may I remind you that you are the most like Jesus when you are displaying grace to the people that are getting on your nerves. When you're displaying grace to those who are politically different than you. The ones who are causing you trouble. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. Be people of grace. I want to pray this morning. If you need to talk to somebody, please contact us through Facebook or in any other way that you can reach us. We'll be more than happy to talk to you. Talk to any of the pastoral staff. Talk to anybody. I tell you what, let's do this again. If you yourself have a relationship with Jesus Christ, as imperfect as it might be, but you have experienced the grace of God for yourself, you have experienced the life-transforming effects that grace has had on your heart, I want you to put in that comment section right now, I am a witness. If the love of God has transformed your life, as imperfect as your walk with the Lord might be, but you would be willing to share with someone about what God has done in your life, place in that comment section, I am a witness. And I encourage those of you who are watching, who need a word of encouragement, who need someone to pray with you, you need someone to talk to, Right now, feel free to contact anyone who has placed that statement. I am a witness in their comments section. You, you, you contact them. Let them know you need some help. Let them show you grace today and give you what you don't deserve. Let's pray. When we're finished, we'll come back and pray 91 together and conclude the service. Father, I love you so much. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for the power that's at work in us. And I thank you for the grace that you constantly rain down upon our lives. I pray that all week this week, the message of grace would continue, God, to resound in our ears. It would just echo on and on and on as we engage in our conversations and in our interactions with other people. Help us to demonstrate grace to them, to be, to be agents of grace wherever we go, giving people what they don't deserve because we have received from you what we don't deserve. You're a God of grace, and we pray that as your sons and daughters, we would, be, we would be your agents of grace in the world we live in. And Father, for those today who find themselves poor and helpless and needy and weak because of their sin, because of their struggle against sin, I pray in the name of Jesus that by your grace you would speak to their hearts today and encourage them today and cause them to turn to you today, Father, and find encouragement and rest for their souls and help them to find a peace that passes all understanding and a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory and let, let your love begin right now to rain down upon them, God. Be, be, be near to them, Jesus, as they call out to you this morning. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for being such an example to us for what grace is and what grace means. And help us turn to you, Father, constantly. Constantly for the grace we need in our lives. A grace that's sufficient and a grace that's abundant to us. We love you. We praise you. Be glorified in this body of people, I pray. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to do something that I know Joshua loves to do. So let me just give a shout out to Joshua. Joshua prays this prayer every day, whether we pray it or not. God bless the children. God bless the children. A little child shall lead them. And little children are leading us, I think, sometimes. But let's pray this prayer together. I want you to know God's on your side. God's with you. He's not against you. He's leading and He's guiding. He's protecting and providing. You look to God for every need. Let's pray Psalm 91 together as we close here today. And know that if there's anything we can do for you, please, please don't hesitate to contact us. Heavenly Father, according to Your Word, I confidently approach Your throne to make this request of You on behalf of myself, my family, and Your people, whoever they may be. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We will say of the Lord, You are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom we trust. Surely You will save us from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. You will cover us with Your feathers and under Your wings we will find refuge. Your faithfulness will be our shield and rampart. We will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand, but it will come, not come near us. We will only observe with our eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If we say the Lord is my refuge, and we make the Most High our dwelling, no harm will overtake us. No disaster will come near our tents, for You will command Your angels concerning us to guard us in all our ways. They will lift us up in their hands so that we will not strike our foot against a stone. We will tread on the lion and the cobra. We will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because they love Me, says the Lord, I will rescue them. I will protect them, for they acknowledge My name. They will call on Me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. With long lives, I will satisfy them and show them My salvation. Lord, we pray this in the powerful, precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.